Welcome to the Liberty Cafe, where oppression is on the menu. If I'm counting correctly, this is the 16th episode of the Liberty Cafe. And I'm very glad that you're with me today. I'm glad that you've been listening to me along the way as well. Today we're talking about no future for renewable energy. When I say that, I understand, of course, that everything has a future. It's just really what that future is going to look like. But before I explain what I think the future of renewable energy looks like, let's go back a little ways. Let's say more than 200 years, thereabouts, 1,000 years, 2,000 years, 3,000 years, all the way back to the beginning of the world, maybe 6,000 years ago or so. Most humans struggled to have enough energy, enough power to keep themselves warm and to keep themselves fed and to keep themselves housed and to keep themselves safe. In those days, energy was largely provided by humans, by animals, and from very inefficient renewable energy sources. Water, wind, solar, and wood. God provides this world abundant energy, but in its basic state, its basic nature, the energy sources are very inefficient. So it took humanity a lot of time to work the world as God has commanded us from the very beginning of the world when he told Adam and Eve to be stewards of the world and to be fruitful and multiply. It took a lot of time and effort and it took a lot of capital to get to the point where we could have more efficient means of producing energy. Generally, when it comes to power to run things, we're talking about mechanical power. That's what we really use. Humans with their hands, even animals with their bodies can only do so much. So we need to harness the energy sources that we have to turn them into power. And that's just largely inefficient when you're talking about wind and solar. And so only the wealthiest people for most of history could really afford to, to harness enough energy to consistently take care of themselves and protect themselves from the constant assaults of nature in the form of heat and cold and floods and famine, etc. Even those things wouldn't help them against pestilence and disease, but at least they could generally protect themselves from most of those things. It was a very difficult time. Then, for a lot of reasons, came fossil fuels. About eh, 200 or so years ago. It's not that we didn't have fossil fuels before. It's just that obtaining them and harnessing them and applying them to our needs is a very, very costly process. And it took literally millennia, in part because humans tend to destroy wealth through wars, but it took millennia to, to gather enough capital together to be able to build the infrastructure, to be able to use uh, coal and natural gas and oil in the ways we use them today. 
And when we're able to pull that capital together and add it to human knowledge, we are able to do some amazing things over the last 200 years or so. One of the most amazing things is, is that we have powered essentially the entire world. Well, at least the entire world that isn't still in the hands of dictators or tyrants or communists, where power is still and energy is still hard to get a hold of these days, like we have it here in the United States of America for the most part. Although, if you look to California and New York sometimes, it's not quite so good over there. But for the most part, things will look good and it's inexpensive. But if, if you look at most of the developed industrial world today, there's an unmatched prosperity today than we've seen throughout history. And that's because we've had this combination of wealth, capital, the ability to use energy in a way that has just created these conditions that we're in. And that's basically what the world has looked like for 200 years. Here's uh, somebody who, it's a Mr. White, I don't have his first name, but this is what he wrote about how this happened. During the Industrial Revolution, the application of fossil fuels to a huge range of devices and machines increased manufacturing productivity by leaps and bounds and reduced hard labor. The steam engine and derivative devices mechanized production that previously was the hard labor of human or animal muscle. With mechanization, productive efficiency soared and so did energy efficiency. And it stayed that way for the better part of two centuries. And then came the godless environmental movement of the 1960s and things begin to change. When I talk about the godless environmental movement, you can really apply that to modern day liberalism, whether it's the uh, modern welfare movement. Any of these types of liberal ideologies and applications of them today, they they come and bring destruction with them. That's how Satan works. Satan took this beautiful world that God had created in perfect order and threw it into chaos and started taking it towards destruction. God then sent his son Jesus Christ into the world to renew the world and make all things new, including his people. And so that's the battle that we have going on in this world. And it plays out in the environmental movement just as much as it does in any other part of the world. And it's clear that renewable energy subsidies comes out of this this line of thought of godless liberalism. Because what happened in the 1960s is that people started thinking that they could save the world from the chaos that their sin and, and my sin and all of our sin had created. They, they rejected the fact that God could do it, and so they started trying to save the world themselves. But, of course, what that actually brings is just more chaos and more destruction. How that works out with renewable energy is, is this way. So in the, in the 1970s, it's, it's really amazing. In the 1970s, we were told that, that we were running out of energy sources. That oil and natural gas were coming to an end 
and that if we didn't start finding alternative sources, we were going to run out of energy. So what Congress did is, for instance, they, they banned the use of natural gas for generating electricity because we weren't going to have enough natural gas in the future, and they didn't want us to use it up. It's kind of laughable when you look at things today, but Congress actually did that. And, of course, Jimmy Carter came along. This was before renewable energy was a big thing because the thing about it is that in the 1960s and 70s, everybody knew that wind and solar power were inefficient and unreliable and unaffordable. And so when they thought we are going to run out of the efficient and affordable and reliable fuels, they knew we couldn't go to wind and solar. So... Jimmy Carter and all his friends created the, the United States Sin Fuels Corporation and threw billions of taxpayer dollars at it. But it didn't take too long before folks found out that, one, that synthetic fuels aren't all that great, not because they don't work. I mean, you put synth synthetic oil in your car, and that apparently lasts a lot longer than regular oil does, but it's very expensive. But any other kind of fuel that came out to, to replace gasoline and, and other oil derivatives just aren't affordable at all. And then, of course, it turned out that we weren't running out of oil, and we weren't running out of natural gas, and we weren't running out of coal. And so that kind of died away. But then we moved into the 90s or so, and the left had not given up on taking over the economy of the world. They, they couldn't do it by getting rid of oil and gas production using sin fuels, so they kept searching and they came to this concept of renewable energy. That was going to be the path forward. Of course, at the time they came up with this idea, in part they were doing it because human activity was going to turn the world into a freezer. It wasn't until a little bit later that they discovered that maybe they ought to say that human activity is turning the world into an oven. That, that came a little bit later. But still, that's where renewable energy came out of. And, but there was no renewable energy out there. Nobody was using it because even though wind and solar, along with water and wood, are the oldest energy technologies out there, the most mature energy technologies out there, people had abandoned them. 150 plus years ago, except in a few isolated instances, because they're just no good. So they had to do something, and so they came up with this concept of uh, renewable energy subsidies. And that's when they started in the 1990s, providing subsidies for wind power. And then around in the 2000s, the Solar Boys got into the act and decided that they needed some subsidies too. And since that time, wind and solar power have taken off. But it's not because they're efficient not because they're reliable. It's not because they're affordable. In fact, they're just the opposite of that. It's because the government keeps throwing billions and billions and billions of dollars at that. I've got some numbers here. For, since 2006 through last year, the federal government alone has put over $78 billion into renewable energy subsidies. That's money that's coming out of our taxpayers' wallets, our pockets could be direct payments, tax credits, research and development costs, all those kinds of things. $78.5 billion at least that have gone into those. And we've got 
so far schedule, just from 2020 to 2029, another $40 billion along the way, right? It's going to be more than that if things came up the same. But if you total that up from 2006 to 2029, it's $120 billion, basically. We've seen stolen from taxpayers and given to usually major corporations and universities. Those, those types of entities, rich entities, are getting all this extra billions of dollars from people who aren't so rich. Here in Texas, where I live, We've seen federal, state, and local subsidies total almost $20 billion since 2006. It's scheduled another six point, uh, I'm sorry, $15, $16 billion through 2029. It just, it just keeps adding up. Now, some folks in the renewable energy industry, well, not some folks, all folks in the renewable energy industry like getting all this money. So they, they will say, oh, no, no, no. We may get some subsidies, but we don't get near as much as the uh, as the other folks, as the the oil and gas guys, or the nuclear or the coal guys. But I, I'm here to tell you, and the Texas Public Policy Foundation did a great study on that earlier this year. It's not even close. Wind and solar get so much more subsidies than than traditional oil, natural gas nuclear and coal thermal type energy sources. For instance, uh, wind, and I can't remember the, uh, the time frame that, that this is in, but I think it's, it's, I think it's a 10 year time frame. Wind gets th- has gotten $36.7 billion. Solar, 34.4, you add those up, that's over $70 billion for wind and solar. But you put oil and natural gas and nuclear and coal together, you get about $50 billion. And that's just a straight-up head-to-head comparison. When you compare how much energy that those sources have put out, the subsidy per unit of energy is multiple times higher, multiple, multiple, multiple times higher for wind and particularly solar than it is for oil, natural gas, nuclear, and coal. It's not even close. So when I get to the point of talking about renewable energy has no future. What I mean by that is that renewable energy has no future in being a source of power production, whether it's through the electricity, generation of electricity, through powering cars, powering airplanes, factories, those kind of things. It has no more future than it did in the past 150, 200 years, up until about 20, 30 years ago, the future looks no better than the past for renewable energy, except unless the government keeps throwing money at it. And that's what's in question. If the government keeps throwing money at it, then obviously wind and solar are going to have a future because you know why? Because Wall Street bankers and big giant corporations will go every day to the bank and take that, put that money in the bank. They have no qualms about taking your money and putting it in their pockets to enhance their bottom line. And so it's really a question of whether people 
everyday people will step up and tell the government and our politicians that they're tired of these big corporations stealing our money using the government as a mechanism and saving the future as the excuse. It's not going to save our future. Wind power and solar power do nothing to improve the environment. And that's really even the case if you believe in all the hype about global warming, which man-made global warming. Of course the, the earth is getting warmer, but of course the earth has also gotten colder. It goes in cycles, and it's been that way since God created everything. But man isn't making that happen. Now, does man contribute a little bit to it? That's quite possible. But wind and solar won't do anything to improve that. And so the question is, are people going to step up and tell their elected officials no? Of course, corporate welfare, corporate greed, is not, not just uh, confined to renewable energy subsidies. And so that raises a bigger question. When are people going to say enough is enough? When are they going to tell big business and big politics that we're tired of paying for your profits and that we want to keep that money for ourselves and use it to go out and steward the earth and be fruitful and multiply like God told us? That's a question that we can all ponder and pray about. Thank you very much for being with me today on the Liberty Cafe.